And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Smoke and Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokeandTobacco.com, and I am joined by uh, a new member of the Smoke and Tobacco family tonight. Uh, our beautiful Smoke and Nicole could not be here, and neither could my very good friend, Mr. Jonathan M. Carney from La Florida Dominicana. But I have some awesome gents with me here tonight anyway. I have, welcoming to the Smoke and Tobacco team, I have Mr. Nelson DeMello, who will be with us uh, somewhat full-time now uh, and be mostly an online contributor. But he'll be on the show from here and, uh, here and there from time to time, uh, such as now when I, we need someone else to jump in. Uh, so, Nelson, welcome aboard to the team. Uh, welcome Thanks, to Pat. your first Smoke and Tobacco show. Um, it's going to be a wild ride. But more importantly, we have an awesome guest with us tonight. I'm really honored to have him on with us. It is Mr. Ernesto Perez Carrillo from EP Carrillo. Ernesto, thank you for being here with us tonight. Uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's really a, a pleasure to uh, you know sit down and, and chat with you two uh, about cigars or whatever else you know you guys feel we uh, we should talk about. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean we can cover a lot of different things on the show tonight. Uh, first things first, I would say. So Ernesto, I don't think you're smoking a cigar uh, with us tonight. I'm not smoking a cigar, and I'll tell you why I'm not smoking a cigar. Between yesterday and today, I must have smoked, uh, let me see, maybe 12, 13 cigars. Oof. Holy cow. <laughs> but, you know, um, <laughs> there'll be another couple of months before I try another cigar. Well, you know, I mean, that's, I, I mean, someone, someone like you, I mean, you blending cigars, you're making cigars. I mean, it kind of comes with the territory, you know, you gotta, you gotta smoke a lot of cigars. So I can understand you probably get burnt out from time to time. <laughs> out. Um, so I, people down here uh, from the company, we were trying, you know, different blends, things we want to work on for next year. And, uh, let me tell you, it was, uh, it was a uh, it was a very interesting uh, couple of days that we've had here, you know, trying different tobaccos and different blends. So it was worth it. Yeah, that's one thing that like I I really can't wait for. I mean, I've I've talked to Jose Blanco, as, you know, as you know very well, um, you know about you know tobaccos and I know he does his seminars and talked to a lot of other people in the industry. I've I was fortunate enough to do a, a little bit of tobacco tasting with Terrence Riley when I was down in Miami a few months ago. Um, and just that little bit of the experience was just so like awesome. And I, I can't wait to really get into that someday in the future. Um, cause I mean, that whole side of the industry is something that, you know, I, I'd really love to explore too. So I, I'm really excited to, you know, I mean, smoking the cigars and all that other stuff, but to go to like the factories and, and do the tastings and, and experience, you know, like, especially like the seminars and all that and the blending, that's a whole nother part of it that I, I can't wait to someday experience. And you being someone who's, I would say, considered by many a master blender, um, you got so much to share with us. So we're going to pick your brain a little bit tonight. Uh, I am going to be smoking um, the New Wave Connecticut Brillantes, the 5x50. Um, and if you... Sorry, one sec. So like I said, I'm in the producer's chair tonight. I'm not used to it. There we go. Um, so here it is right here. Now it is... I don't believe this is available from our friends at twoguyscigars.com. However, they do carry a lot of other cigars from EP Carrillo, so don't forget to go and check them out. They do have both your 2018 and 2020 Cigars of the Year um, available at twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two guyscigars.com. 
com. Nelson, what are you smoking? Well, I actually dug into my uh, my humidor. I was like, what do I have? You know, in buried in here from my Carrillo days, and uh, <laughs> I busted out because I I usually buy them in a shop. If I buy them in a shop, I just smoke them. I, they don't even make it to my house. Um, so I did find one that I haven't smoked in a while, which is the Elite Selección Escoro. Um, I love Toros anyways, and, and I don't know if you can pick it up on the camera. I'll try to get it out there. Uh, but I love this thing. This is a, a great, great smoke, and I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, a lot of times I try to, to wait until we start the show with the guest to cut and light my cigar, and I can start it fresh right there. Um, unless I'm doing something like really big and I, I try to get a head start, but, um, no, this is a great cigar. I've had a few of these before. Um, fantastic. And, uh, I, to be honest with you, I was, uh, I didn't have much from, uh, EP Carrillo on hand, but I had, I had a bunch of those and that's a great cigar. I wanted to, I wanted to have the pledge with me tonight, but I just couldn't find it in time, um, around here. So I missed. Can, can I, missed... I just? I, yeah, I, go ahead. I can't believe I have Ernesto here that I can ask this question. Like, so this is super cool. One of one of the sticks um, I I really enjoy is the um, oh god, what the hell was it? It's escaping right now. The the uh, the pledge, but it's the um, sojourn. So, yeah. How was it pronounced? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Pronounced as soyorn. Soyorn. Okay. It's uh, I believe it's a French name. You know that, uh, and that's supposed to mean, if I'm not mistaken, like um, you know, the prequel is like before my my career, I guess, leading up to the sojourn, which is you know where my career is now, and then we're coming out with another one uh, called the Apogee. Which is, you know, the how can I, you know, like the whole story of my career, I guess you could say that. It's actually, you know, the very interesting things that, uh, you know, we, uh, my daughter and uh, we have some people that, uh, you know, have come up with all these concepts and, and uh, you know, different names, which at, you know, at first I, I, I heard them and I said, you know, I really don't understand. I don't, I don't know if people will be able to really understand it. But when you know what they mean, when you understand the meaning, you know, it, it all makes a whole lot of sense. So, well, th thank you very much, Matt. I got what I needed, so I'm going to take off now. Thanks. Oh, okay. That, that's, all, that's all you needed. <laughs> now I don't sound like an idiot in the shops anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you, uh, you know, so basically you, you jumped in just to ask uh, Ernesto one question. Now you're all done with us. All right. I see I how it is. <laughs> I, I see. I see how it is. Um, no, no. I, I want to hear about the journey, but I'm sure we'll get to that. So th there's there's a lot of different things we could talk about and start with. Um, you know, Ernesto, you're a very interesting guy. You, you've you've accomplished a lot. You've you've done a lot of interesting things. Um, you know, in the last you know three years alone, you've gotten Cigar of the Year twice, uh, which is an impressive feat to do, I guess, in in such a short amount of time. Uh, first with the Encore and then with the Pledge. Um, so you know. Tell me, does that does that does that change anything for you? You know, Matt, it took me, you know, basically the, the ratings have been around for what fifteen years, I believe. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, so it, now when you look at it, say, you know, but, you know, there was, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, where every year you were waiting, hoping to get that number one. And, you know, you say, okay, it didn't happen this year, maybe next year. But the thing is, you know, after a while, after you've um, been doing this for a while, uh, you kind of, you know, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because, I mean, yeah, in spite of, you know, everything that we all do to, to try to make great cigars and, you know, please our customers, you know, that's really like the one thing that everybody, I think every uh, manufacturer, every cigar maker uh, strives for to get a number one rating and cigar aficionado. So it was really, you know, when we accomplished that, it was really, uh, you know, like a... Uh, I guess you could say in many ways, like a dream come true. You know, we finally did this. And then to have it done a year, not the, the following year, but the year after, was something other that, you know, that was also very, uh, you know, it, it just challenges you more to be sure that, you know, you always try to do your best. And always, you, you know, you shoot for that third one. There's only one company that has three, and that's my next goal. So, you know, what, what was it like? You know, the, you, you never really hear about this when, when something like that happens. What was it like at the factory, right, when that second announcement comes out? You know, you already did it once, but now you did it again. Well, let me just tell you, with Pledge, it was, it was uh, Pledge originally, you know, we started working on Pledge 2019. And we were going to go into the 2020, we were going to introduce it. But already in 2019, we were selling a Pledge. And it was really... You know, taking off incredibly. So in 2019, when we got the rating, uh, wait, I'm sorry, 2020, when we got the rating, we had just come off the, uh, you know, the, uh, well, we were starting to get into the, uh, you know, the COVID plague or, or pandemic or whatever. So in March, we, we basically, you know, closed the factory for about two months and, you know, needless to say, production stopped. And we were right. You know, right in January when we got the rating, I, you know, I can't start to tell you how the demand for that was. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it, it was it was it was something that uh, you know you you weren't prepared for to a certain degree, but then hitting being hit with this, you know, just made it a, a uh, in spite of the fact that it was you know a great feeling, but it was just hard to to uh, you know to to accept that something like this was happening and that we came we couldn't be taking advantage of it, you know, trying to get as many cigars out there and try to get, you know, everybody that wanted the pledge to, uh, to be able to, to enjoy it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, as you say, it, it, it was challenging. Let's just put it that way. You try to make enough cigars to fill the, the pipeline. Cause I do have to say that the demand for this particular cigar, um, was, I, I would have to say probably two to three times, but the demand was for the uh, Encore. Wow. So you, the Encore was, you know, uh, huge. This was even, you know, bigger. So, you know, you, there's no way you can prepare for that. So I guess the uh, the question everyone wants to ask, and I know you probably won't give the answer just yet, but uh, what what is that cigar you're working on that you're trying to make number three? <laughs> 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 I like to ask the tough questions, you know. <laughs> me, uh, me, it's all about the different wrappers, you know, with the uh, 
with the La Historia. In 2014, we got a number two cigar of the year. And that was really my first time working with the uh, San Andre Mexican rapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we got about, when we got the, um, the, in 2018, it was about the Jalapa rapper uh, from Nicaragua. And now it's about the Havana, Connecticut growing in the United States. So, I mean, it's just, it's about, you know, finding a rapper that's uh, new to the market, that's different, and that I think that can make an impact. Uh, because, you know, we can, we can try to duplicate with, you know, what we have now. And I'm not saying we can, but I think when you have something that's really unique, that's something people haven't, you know, perhaps tried before, uh, that's when you start to get, you know, the buzz out there. And this is what happened with all these, you know, three cigars. Yeah. The moment we made them, you know, whether we introduce them at PCA or wherever or, or whatever, they were always in demand after that uh, initial introduction. I mean, I guess this is an, a good way to segue into kind of the, the blending stuff that we wanted to get to. I mean, a lot of the audience is always asked, you know, a little bit more on, um, and that's why I think this would be great. You know, the, I've had people ask me, you know, when we have certain guests on or, you know, it comes up in conversation, you know, to kind of get more into the nitty gritty of how cigars are made and how they're blended and whatnot, you know. Uh, you know, you br- you mentioned rappers, and you mentioned you know trying to work with something you know with different rappers and stuff. Would you say you know as, as a blender, would you say when you go in to blend something, is that wrapper of the cigar one of the most, if not the most important tobacco that you look at as a whole, um, to kind of control all the rest in the binder and the filler? You know, where would you say that 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 level of importance lies with just the wrapper alone? Well, for me, you know, for me, it's anywhere from 60 to 70 percent of what that cigar is going to be. And believe me, I've had, uh, you know, I've had a lot of lot of years doing this, you know, over you know, 40 years on my own and 50 years since I started with my father back in, uh, in Little Havana. And I would have to say that the wrapper is really what, uh, you know, what's going to make that cigar uh, distinguish in the sense of the aromas, you know, the uh, complexities. Uh, now, of course, if you have a bad blend, no matter what wrapper you put there, it's not going to uh, work. But if you have a good blend and you have a wrapper that really mixes well or blends well with the rest of the tobacco, especially the primer, the prime, uh, the binder. I'm sorry. Then you're going to have a cigar that uh, you know should be a you know something distinguished, something that should be a success. And this is what I find. You know, the wrappers, the uh, the way. You know, you ferment those wrappers, the aging of the wrappers. All these things are very important. Um, but that being said, again, you know, you have to have the right tobacco to go with that wrapper, the right binder that will work with that, uh, you know, marinate with that uh, particular uh, wrapper. Now, it's not, as, it's not as easy as, you know, okay, I have a great wrapper. It tastes great. They just put it on it, you know, uh, on a mild cigar, you know, give it a uh, you know, a, 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 a different taste that maybe a medium or or a um, or a full body, but still, you know, all the tobaccos have to work together. Uh, and even you know, as much as half a leaf, which a wrapper is really when you look at it, it's only half a leaf in the whole blend. Right. You know, so much uh, influence on the rest of the blend that um, I think to me that's really you know one of the most important tobacco in any blend. The rapper. Now, when it comes to 
you know, aging and fermenting the wrapper tobacco, you know, what, what separates that process, you know, for wrapper tobacco specifically from, you know, maybe the binder and filler tobaccos that you use? I mean, is it a much, much more stringent process and longer and just a little bit more maybe temperamental just because you're trying to get that higher quality, you know, grade from it once it's all said and done um, so that it performs well when you go to roll with it? Yeah, well, you know, it, it depends on the type of wrapper. For instance, you know, uh, you know, all fillers and, and basically all binders are uh, sun grown. Uh, a lot of the wrappers that we use are, you know, shade grown, as as is the Jalapa. The uh, wrappers grown in Ecuador because there's not that much sun. It's also it's also a, a sort of shade grown tobacco. And all of these wrappers, depending on the seed, because that's very important, the seed. And where this tobacco is grown determines a lot how you're going to ferment that tobacco. And it's incredible. You know, there's some there's some seeds that will ferment faster, that you can age uh, longer. And there's some seeds that are grown in certain places that, you know, you, you really don't need to do that much fermentation. An example being, for instance, the uh, Connecticut grown in uh, Ecuador is much different than the Connecticut grown in, in uh, Connecticut. So those things you have to understand, the Habanos that are grown in Ecuador, you have to ferment, uh, you have to age to a certain degree different than the ones grown in uh, Nicaragua. So it all depends on the type of tobacco, the type of seed, and, and of course you have to understand these tobaccos. You have to have you know some experience. Because this happened to me when I first started using the Jalapa wrapper. I hadn't used that wrapper in many years. And believe me, it took me, you know, something that I thought I was going to be able to accomplish, let's say, three or four months, you know, took me almost a year because I didn't understand how that tobacco worked. Uh, and this had a lot to do with the uh, the seed and the, uh, you know, the uh, where it was grown. It was great tobacco, but it just needed, you know, time that I, I, I wasn't planning on that. I thought it was going to be like, again, in three or four months, I was going to have this tobacco ready. And it took me over a year to really get it ready. Now, when you look at, when you look at uh, Maduro, like you look at Broadleaf, you look at the Havana, Connecticut, you're looking at anywhere from, you know, eight months to a year before you can get this tobacco ready. So, again, those are not shade grown, but they're red. There's a lot of oils in the, in the uh, Broadleaf, especially in the Havana, Connecticut, and you have kind of not, you know, kill the oil, but you have to, little by little, uh, how do you say, uh, not burn it, but uh, loose, make it lose some of that. And that's 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 an art. You know, we have we have a couple of kids that have been with me and uh, over here at the Alliance and the Alianza for the past eight years, and they become master where, you know, we don't even use a uh, a, a uh, what do you call that thing to for uh, the temperature? Now let me ask. Hygrometer. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, because they'll know just by you know feeling the wrapper, stretching the wrapper, when it needs to be turned, you know, when it needs to be uh, when it's ready to be used. Oh wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, and again, you know, it's a question of you know the experience, the the time. 
that one has doing this, the different tobaccos that we are constantly working with, you know, whether it be from Ecuador, Honduras, uh, Jalapa, from Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, you know, U.S. So all these, they're all different. They all have a different uh, way of, you know, they need to be fermented or need to be aged. So it's not a cookie cutter for every tobacco. Each has their own, uh, how do you say, uh, they, they're peculiar, particular in their own ways. Now, let me... their own personalities, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Is there any kind of tobacco that you have worked with that you just don't like to work with because it's just too challenging for the kind of stuff that you like to blend? Great question. <laughs> great question. There is one... Uh, there is one that people love. I mean, you know, Nicaragua people love this tobacco, and they use it a lot. And that particular tobacco is uh, Ometepe. You know, for some reason, I've, I, you know, I haven't really found a blend or, or find a way to blend it that, you know, fits into, you know, I guess you could say my style of blending or my signature or whatever. But people love it in, in Nicaragua. You know, a lot of people use it constantly. Right. And I haven't been able to find that, you know, uh, you know how to blend that tobacco. Um, there was another tobacco that we just came out with a blend called the uh, Matafina from Brazil. Mm. And that tobacco I used to use, you know, way back in the early 70s uh, when we were making cigars in, in Little Havana. Basically, the blends were that, you know, Dominican tobacco, Matafina, and Cameroon, either Cameroon or Connecticut shade wrapper. But uh, that was also challenging for me for a while. And then in the past, what, you know, two or three years, I started, you know, acquiring some of this tobacco. And we just came out with a, a cigar for the TAA uh, that's going to be introduced, I think, in the next month or two, something like that. And that's using some Matafina, which is also a tobacco that, again, it's, uh, it's not that it's rare. It's just very hard to get because the volume's out there for, uh, you know, Mass production, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brazilian Matafina is is a favorite tobacco of mine. Uh, the cigars that I've had with it, um, I've always really enjoyed. It's it's got a nice flavor to it. Um, Very. Nice. Yeah, and I, I I wanted to bring up that other question because I I you know it, it's interesting. You know, someone who's obviously been as successful as you have and is uh, especially you know with blending and and making cigars, it, it's always interesting to hear. You know what maybe that one thing is that has kind of been like their weakness or like their, their, that one, that one thing they just couldn't conquer. And so for you, like, you know, what tobacco is it that you just couldn't really blend? Maybe, or maybe not yet. Well, let's not rule it out. You know, maybe someday it'll come to you, <laughs> but. It, that's, that's coming. That's coming. But, you know, up to now it's been kind of, like I said, it's been kind of difficult. Maybe that's how you get cigar of the year number three. Maybe you finally figure out how to, you know, blend that just right, and then there it is, and you get number Boom. three. <laughs> that could be the secret right there. That I like to do, uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of things I like to do. Uh, you know, one thing that I want to do, of course, is you know make a blend, uh, and not necessarily to get a number one cigar, but make an old Dominican blend um, that. Uh, you know, that's something that I have, well, we, we use a lot of Dominican tobacco, especially on the inch. That's basically, you know, 90% Dominican and the uh, Reserva. But I want to do an old Dominican cigar. That's, that's I guess, my, my next goal. 
Uh, and then, of course, you know, keep working with that Ometepe um, to see if we can get uh, the third number one. Now, now there's make it there. There's something that I wanted to ask you about. You've you've been quoted in uh, in saying that the the Cuban Davidoff is a huge inspiration to you, and that it's yeah. kind of been something that's that's been on your mind as you you know through the years, even you know with La Gloria Cubana. Um, right. You know that you've that you've kind of used as an inspiration, something to target when you're blending a cigar for the not just the cigar itself, but the experience when you're smoking it, because that was something that was really special to you. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of that experience that you had with that cigar that that just that made it so special for you. Well, you know, at that time, uh, we're talking about I don't know, 1980, maybe 81, 82, mm-hmm. and up to that time, I really had been exposed to many cigars outside, you know, the ones that we made in the, uh, you know, our little factory or, uh, you know, I think there were at that time maybe like 20 chinchales. But everybody kind of the same blend in one way or the other because they wanted to buy tobacco. And that was what they brought, you know, Dominican and, uh, you know, Matafina, Cameroon. And I remember we had a, we had a, a, a bookkeeper and he brought me, he brought me back a little three pack or five packs of those David of the Don Pennyon. Hmm. And it was funny because you know that tobacco, that cigar was so beautiful. I remember the aesthetic, it was a beautiful cigar. It had that you know golden wrapper, it was just incredible the way that cigar looked. And what you know, what intrigued me was, you know, as I was smoking it. I was getting this, you know, smooth, uh, maybe like a medium, uh, very flavorful uh, smoke, uh, which I hadn't, like I said, I, I hadn't experienced. I really hadn't smoked, you know, Cuban cigars up to that point. And what, you know, knocked me out was that, you know, when I was finished smoking a cigar and I got ready to stand up, you know, I, I, I got dizzy. I said, you know, what is this? That cigar has such strength, but it was such a sneak up. It was like a body experience, which is what I try to do uh, with my blend. You know, not just, you know, oh, it's strong. It's, you know, this, it's that. It tastes like this. It tastes like that or whatever. I want this thing to, I want this thing to give you an experience. You know, that it'd be an experience that when you're smoking that cigar, you know, He'll tell you something, you know. This is a special. This is a special moment. It'll make uh, you pay attention. Exactly, you know. I mean, you may be sitting at at, at home. You may be sitting in your backyard. Uh, you may be sitting with friends or whatever. But it's got, you know, it's got to be more than just a cigar. That oh yeah, it was strong. It was, you know, this. What else was there? You know, maybe the people you're with uh, will make it even that more special. Um, and you know that's part of the experience also smoking a cigar you know what were you doing at that time when you smoked that cigar that you remember that makes that cigar special also so there's 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 a lot of things about you know smoking a cigar than just you know with this sweet or mild or creamy or this or that you know there's got to be more to it than just that uh because we can get those tastes from anything you know we candy or food or or whatever, you know, you want this, I want my cigars anyway, to be an experience. And one thing that I always, you know, strive for, uh, back in the old days, I used to uh, drink uh, bourbon, 
one of the things I remember about drinking bourbon was that, you know, when you drank that and it went through your throat, you know, there was this taste or this, uh, how do you say, of um, barrel, there was, you know, some uh, spice or, and that's something, that's something that's always left an impression on me because when I smoke, you know, I always try to, you know, take the uh, the, the uh, smoke to the throat and then, you know, retro it or just keep it in the palate and, mm -hmm. uh, but like like bourbon was something that really influenced me a lot when I was trying to uh, make different blends. I don't drink anymore, but uh, that's always stayed with me. Yeah, I was actually I was gonna kind of segue into that too. Is just you know I know a lot of people, um, you know, cigar makers and blenders who are drinkers of various you know whether it's rum or it's tequila or it's bourbon or any other you know variety of whiskey. You know, and they when they blend their cigars, they always think like, well, you know, it's not just about the cigar itself, you know, and you and you kind of touched on this as as well, which is I think really important. You know, they they try to blend maybe certain cigars to be paired with certain things, um, which I always found interesting. And, and it's and it's it's an experience that you know when you when you do have the right cigar with the right beverage too. You know, it, like you said, it's not just about that one cigar and its flavor notes. You know, when you're when you have the right cigar and the right setting, and and for me, I call it the complete package. The best cigar experiences I've ever had have always been the complete package. It's not just the cigar. It's when I have the right cigar in the right setting, and maybe I even have the right drink with it too, whether it's a bourbon or it's a rum or a tequila that just goes with that cigar, and I'm just in my element, and I can really just enjoy all of it together. That's always been the best cigar experience for me. Um, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be a – like a really high-end cigar or just a really top-notch quality cigar. It just has to be a cigar that you enjoy. And, you know, you're in a setting where you can, you know, like you said, just really, you know, feel that, taste it. Mm -hmm. Just hit all those notes together and really use all of your senses when you're in that experience. Um, and so I, I thought, and then you mentioned bourbon, which I'm a bourbon drinker myself, uh, mostly bourbon and tequila, and I've, just recently got into a little bit of gin, um, but that's a story for another time. Um, but yeah, I wanted to I wanted to uh, to get into that too. Is uh, is is blending cigars to be paired with certain you know maybe with certain especially the alcohol variety you know like I said especially spirits. Uh, are there any cigars that you have blended that maybe when you blended it? You had something else very specific in your mind, like a like a like a bourbon, or or a rum or something like that. That you like this this you know when when this is right when it's done and it's aged and whatever and it's ready to smoke like this is going to be so good with you know X Y or Z. Well, like I said, you know I don't, I don't drink anymore, so I don't drink any wine or anything like that. So I, I you know I really don't think I really don't think too much of, uh, as far as the alcohol. Um, What's always intrigued me, which I wish you know someday uh, we could do or I could do or whatever, is try to find a uh, a cigar that would go well with you know different foods. Huh. Uh, because you know, I'm fascinated by the uh, by the uh, you know by chefs, you know the the amount of work that you know they put into coming up with a, a dish, and it's almost like you know making a cigar. Except in their case, you know, there's, I don't know, I think there's a more finesse uh, way that we do it that, uh, you know, we as cigar blenders are not there yet. But they get to pick, you know, the different uh, 
vegetables, the different fruits or whatever, or the different spices that they want to use, you know, for a particular dish. And it's a one-time thing, you know, or maybe they keep that dish on the menu for X amount of time. But, you know, that that's where my head is at and where I want to, you know, be able to do something like that. And again, not necessarily to make, you know, large production, but just something that's very unique that you a cigar like you would go to a particular dish by a famous, uh, you know, chef. And uh, I got into that because, I, you know, I was in, in Peru a few years ago. And there was this, there's this chef there, big, what's his name, Virgilio, from Central. And you see that guy work, you know, you see some of the dishes. He has an open open kitchen. You see some of the dishes that they make, man, it's, it's pure, like, imagination. You know, it's just magic. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, why can't we do that with cigars, you know? Uh, and so, and I think it's something that can be done, you know. Not look at this as a cigar for your everyday, for this. This is a cigar. This is going to be special because this cigar was made with that in mind, you know, to give you an experience that perhaps, you know, you're not going to get in other moments uh, made with other cigars. So, so that's that's a great segue to a question I had, and, and you've actually created an analogy for me that uh, now I don't have to create, which is, you know, using that chef analogy, right? When you're going to create your dish, AKA your, your next blend, um, like walk us through your journey, right? Like what, what goes on in Ernesto's mind when he's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try to create this new blend. I mean, you know, not the mechanics and all that, that detail, but just, you know, in your head as the chef, right? What are you going through? And what, what are you looking for when you go through that process? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, you have to find, you have to have something that you feel is special, you know. And it all starts with the tobacco, you know. If you're going to do a blend, if you're going to make blends just to say, I need to get something out next year because, you know, we need to, whatever, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, something that perhaps you do, but is your heart going to be 100% on it, you know. Right. You get excited. You get excited about it. Um and this is something that, uh, you know, with me, it all starts with, you know, seeing a, a tobacco, a special tobacco, whatever. That's, you know, to me, it's something that perhaps is something we don't have in our in our, in our our current blends, but it's something that maybe will blend well with some of the tobaccos we have. But it's an mm -hmm. inspiration. I just can't tell you. I, you know, I go in there and I see a tobacco and maybe I'll say, oh, yeah. Like, for instance, today, I went to see some tobacco for the inch. And from that moment that I burned, you know, that first uh, leaf, I said, man, you know, this is really exceptional. And uh, so that got me excited. So now, you know, when we started making blends, of course, it's all Dominican. We started making blends and, uh, you know, I'm dying tomorrow to try, you know, something that, you know, some of the blends that we made with that particular tobacco. But that that's the case, you know. Then I say, okay, this tobacco is great with this particular blend. Let me start blending this now maybe with some Nicaragua, maybe from some Mexico, and see what gives. So that's a process now that, you know, in the next month or two months, you know, I'll start coming up with blends. We have a couple of guys also that work with that are, you know, are really uh, uh, getting up to speed with the blending process. Uh, so we'll make, each will make like one, two, three blends, and then, uh, you know, we'll try them. Our process usually goes to 30 days. After 30 days is when we really, 
you know, see, okay, this is worth keep working with, or this is maybe not, you know, as good as we thought it was, but you, you have to give that blend that time. And you have to, be, uh, you know, work together with tobacco. Wow, that's cool. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. And it's an inspiration. And you say, you know what, I gotta, I gotta try that. I gotta have that. I gotta see what that's gonna be like. And uh, basically, that's how that's how you know I come up with all the, the different bands that I come up. With. Mm. Guys, I gotta pause it there because uh, we have to hit our news segment for the week. Uh, our news segment is brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. If you're not an ambassador, head over to McAuliffeCigars.com and sign up to become an ambassador today, where you'll get your official ambassador number, your coin, and as well as sign up for the uh, McAuliffe. Uh, keep an eye off. I'm sorry. I butchered that. Uh, keep an eye out at your local stores for a McAuliffe tasting passport. Uh, and you can smoke through the McAuliffe line and save your bands and put it on your flavor notes. And you can submit it back for a chance to win some cool stuff from McAuliffe Cigars. Uh, this week from Drew Estate, uh, the Liga Provada Unico Siri Papas Fritas, uh, which most people know and love. They're fantastic little smokes from Drew Estate. Um, formerly in 50-count boxes, they will now be repackaged into 25-count boxes, um, replacing the 50-count box. So now they'll be available in a smaller quantity, which actually I kind of like better. I do like the Papas Fritas myself, but um, I've always kind of wished that it was in a smaller box. So I'm actually I'm really 50 glad. Is a, 50s a commitment. Yeah, 50 is a commitment. You know, as much as I love yeah. the cigar, 50 is a commitment. That's a lot of cigars. Even if they're small, that's a lot of cigars. Uh, so this is nice. I think it's a nice touch. I'm glad they're doing this. Um, they'll retail for about five seventy-five per a cigar, or one forty-three eighty-seven for the box price. And I believe they will start to be available sometime in August. So keep an eye out in August at your local Drew Estate uh, retailer or online retailer uh, for the new twenty-five count boxes of Papas Fritas. So Ernesto, um, let me go back to this. I'm still like trying to get comfortable with all the transitions. I don't have Nicole here to babysit me. Um, one of the things I read about you that I thought was really interesting, which is kind of non-cigar related, was that when you were younger, you really wanted to be a jazz musician. Yeah, exactly. At least that's what I thought I wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> you were a drummer, right? Yeah, you were a yeah, drummer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I started in the school band when I was, uh, what was it? 15, maybe 14, something like that. And I just got into it. You know, I started listening to uh, to jazz, and I was really, you know, in love and armor with, with jazz and, you know, the different uh, uh, drummers of the era. And um, that was really what, you know, what I wanted to, to uh, do. And I think when I was 19, I got married, and I started playing professionally. I used to play in different, you know, clubs around Miami. Always looking for that you know, big break where I be, become like the next, uh, you know, Tony Williams or Elvin Jones or whatever. And it was in 1976 when I, you know, I went to New York to try out my, my uh, you know, my luck. But, you know, one thing about, like, you know, that I found out, you know, this, it, just because you go there, you think you're, you're, you're good or you can make it, you know, it's not that easy. It's, uh, it's something that takes time. And you hear stories of people that are, you know, famous now and uh, you know they've been there 10 15 20 years before they got their lucky break I was lucky to get a break with uh, with a, uh, a jazz um, saxophonist uh, Stan Getz, uh in an audition 
with him. But I'm, you know, fortunately, I, I shouldn't say unfortunately, fortunately, you know, I wasn't up to, uh, you know, up to their level. And I came back to Miami, you know, kept playing and, you know, decided to you know, go in and, and get into the cigar business with my father. And then when he passed away in 1980, I took over the uh, the company. That's really when I got, you know, it, it was like a new, uh, how do you say, a, a new life. You know, I found something that I hadn't had before, even though I was working in a cigar factory, because, you know, that was my father's uh, thing. And uh, it was a different business altogether than what it is today. Uh, and needless to say, you know, after the boom in 1992, the, the whole business took a turn that, uh, you know, we are where we are today. Now, I know that it was kind of around that time when after you took over the business, you know, when your, when your father passed away, um, and then, you know, as we were talking about, you know, doing more blending and, and we talked about, you know, your, your inspiration behind the, the Cuban Davidoffs and whatnot. And you went on to start before EP Korea, where you are now, uh, you had started the La Gloria Cubana brand in the United States, right? which is also a, a Cuban brand, you know, from Cuba, um, where you were born, actually, you were born in Cuba. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about kind of how, how that, brand started and then you know kind of where you went from there with that i mean I know, I know now you don't you don't have you sold that brand but you know how, how did that really come to be at that time you know from you know your father's company and then you kind of start this new brand well no the brand actually was around 1968 and that brand the first brand we had was el credito which was a factory that we had in uh, in cuba was named el credito and then we uh he registered as rico Habano. And then in 19, I think it was 72, 71, something like that, he registered the uh, La Gloria Cubana. And um, ah. at that time, really, what we, the, the sales that we were doing were mostly like local sales. Uh, Credito, the, the muscles, the bundles, and the casadores, and the super casadores. So that was where, you know, he was making most of his, uh, doing most of his business. Enrico Vano, we had uh, we had that that was also like our first out of Florida brand. Uh, we, we had a gentleman up in uh, Chicago, Hank Greenberg, uh, distribute that. La Gloria really did come into play to uh, life took it over. And the reason for that, again, I remember I went to a uh, to the uh, Miami Public Library and they were having a, a show of different cigar labels from Cuba you know, from other places, you know, more like a Cuban type thing where they showed, where they had the labels, they had, you know, some magazines, that type of stuff. Anyway, I saw the original label of La Gloria Cubana, and I bought it, and I had that label, you know, uh, you know, try to, 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 to copy it down here in Florida, in Miami, which, you know, it was hard because that label has such beautiful details, or has such beautiful details. You know the gold bronzing, all that other stuff. That unfortunately in Florida you can't use that gold bronzing like they do in Europe. So I got in touch with the uh, with a company called TSO up in uh, in Holland. As a matter of fact, they I'm sorry, they visited me, which was strange because you know we were a small company, we weren't really doing that much, and they came and they visited me. Uh, Paul Nike was great, great gentleman, and. 
you know, I gave him the, the, the uh, label. He said, can you reproduce this? And he said, yeah, no problem. And he reproduced the label, the band. And that's really how La Gloria Cubana came into, into being. Uh, and the funny thing was that the gentleman that had those labels uh, had a, uh, he had some type of shop like a block from us. And I had been there before, but I had never seen this. This was like a special collection. So, you know, we started doing the, the Gloria. That, that became kind of the, uh, <clears throat> now became the flagship because, you know, it had the nicer packaging before the, uh, the Rico Vano and the, um, and the um, Credito were basically in bundles. So this had the nice, nicer packaging. This was going to be like, you know, the higher end, whatever. Uh, and, you know, with time, just started progressing. This was back, I, I don't know, 70-something. Uh, well, actually about 82, 83. And then by the time... Cigar Aficionado rated it in their, uh, in their magazine, which didn't get that big of a rating. You know, the Weibo got a 90, you know, it became an instant success. So it became like a boutique brand, which, and, and in fact, La Gloria Cubana was never one of the big brands of Cuba. It was always a smaller boutique brand, which um, were made in the same town where my father had the El Credito factory, San Antonio de los Baños. And it was really never a, a big, a big, uh, a big brand out there. And then when we got the ratings, when we got you know everything going, it just became a, a big, huge success. And I think what helped out a lot also was later on when I came out with the CDR, that really took the brand you know to a, a different level. Now you talk a lot about you know, you know we or we have at least in our time on the show, we talked a lot about you know cigars getting higher ratings. You know you got two cigars of the year. Uh, you know, you've had other cigars that have gotten higher ratings. As much as that's a good thing, from a production standpoint, you know, is it also kind of like this uh, double-edged sword where it's great, you get that recognition, but then all of a sudden that demand just goes through the roof, um, yeah. you know, because everybody wants it now because, oh, you know, this is the cigar to have. And you get to a place, especially last year, like with the pandemic, you know, you're you're still fresh with, you know, you had two cigar of the years, you know, high in demand pandemic where a lot of people had you know or still do are getting caught up they had smaller production smaller staff you know how do you uh you know how do you on a moment's well maybe not on a moment's notice but you know it's somewhat suddenly you know you get that and oh you're the one your scar of the year you know how do you kind of pivot to adjust your factory to 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 uh keep up with that that quick change of demand it's very difficult, you know, when we, when the pandemic hit us, we had, I think it was something like, what, 70, 70 about 36, 36, 38 pairs. When the pandemic hit it, because of the social distancing, because, you know, the fact that, you know, we, I mean, we had, we had plans that, you know, um, that, uh, you know, to expand the factory, uh, we were looking at, at a building to, uh, you know, add, add more uh, space to the factory. And then when the pandemic hit us, you know, we were hit with this where, you know, you got to have social distancing, no more than six feet. I mean, it was scary times. So we had to let go of about 40% of our employees, unfortunately, because, you know, the place just wasn't big enough to, to have everybody there. And then when we got, you know, we, hit that, we got hit with the number one and everything started, you know, 
you really can't, you know, it just takes time to try to, uh, to catch up. And we still haven't catched up. So the only thing we could do is, you know, with the, the people that we have, you know, we started working over times, we started working Saturdays, started working Sundays. But remember, it's not only about the cigars, it's also the people that make the bands and makes the, the boxes. With the boom that's going on, that was going on there, and it's going on constantly, you know, everybody's now back order to one extent or the other. That not only the makers, but also the box makers, you know, the people that, uh, in general, that work in the industry. So there was nothing you can do. I mean, for, for a long time there, you know, I was really, uh, I guess you could say frustrated. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, I can only control what I can control. And what's outside my, my controls, I don't want to, you know, waste too much time thinking about it. But we tried. We tried. And I think now we're coming back. We're back up now to, a, what, uh, 30, I think we're back up to 39 pairs now, 38 or 39 pairs. You know, we've put in a school where, you know, we're teaching people. Because I have a feeling this is going to keep going for a long time. You know, this yeah. boom is going to keep going. Right. But there's no easy, there is no easy way to say, you know what? If we're going to turn it out, especially if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to keep that quality, you know, because the worst thing that could happen is, you know, you come up with a number one and then you decide, you know what? We can make all we want and we're going to sell it. You know, people nowadays, you know, they catch on very fast. Right and and they'll they'll know you know if, if that cigar cigar maker if it's made by an amateur or if it's made somewhere whatever they'll find they'll know. So, I think that's you know, uh, no. Go ahead, Nelson. No, no, Nelson. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just, that made me think of of you know now that you, you know you're starting to work towards getting somewhat to some normalcy, right? Um, you know. Let, let me, Nelson, okay. That's what we. I'm sorry. That's what we thought too. We went to the PCA. Again, <laughs> 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 I told I, I told people, look, we're in back order. Let's just you know, let's just be here and and try not not to you know. I mean, and you know what? People didn't care. This has been. This was the best show that we've had. You know, and 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 a new company. In the past 10 years. And we would tell people, look, you have 40 boxes back with Let us, no, no, I want 40 more. So, I mean, that tells me that, you know, the cigars still very in demand, that they know it's going to be in demand for a time coming, and they just, just want to be prepared to have that cigar in stock. And that's happening, you know, with, with the pledge, you know, with the, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, when we came out as a limited, the Parientes, uh, we were going to come out with 500 boxes. Well, you know, that 500 boxes turned out to 1,500. Finally, I said, you know, stop. Let's just stop because, you know, this thing is getting out of control. So it was a great experience. But you never, you never, you never, you never uh, are, how do you say, prepared enough for something like that. And, you know, some sometimes people ask me, you know, but you went through that with the uh, Encore. Yes. But this is, you know, like I said, twice, three times the demand. So there's well, so no way. I was going to ask something related to that. So I think you're already hitting on it, which is, you know, I, in talking to other brands um, and even retailers, there's almost like the beginnings of another, I don't want to say a boom like the 90s, but 
there's definitely more people smoking now than there were probably three years ago. And I know even last year with the pandemic, there seemed to have been, there was no shortage of consumers. Uh, shops I was going to here in New England, there was more and more people going there, probably because they were just looking to get the hell out of the house, I guess. But are, are you seeing that as well? Are you seeing more outside of your number ones, right? Are you just seeing in general more demand? I am. I am, and it's incredible because, you know, this demand is worldwide. Not only yep. is this big, it's in Europe, it's in, you know, Asia, uh, it's, it's worldwide. Um, and I think it's because, you know, people, needless to say, they're staying at home more, they have more time, they have more, um, you know, money to spend on cigars or whatever because they're not driving, they're not, you know, or they weren't driving and, and, and you know, needing to spend on, you know, lunches and that type of stuff. But, you know, the interesting thing is that these people that have started doing this, now they're going out and they're visiting cigar shops, you know? They haven't stopped their, their uh, you know, their, how do you say, their, uh, not habit, but, you know, smoking the two or three cigars that they were smoking before. Yeah. Because they're, you know, before, you know, people smoke one cigar, two cigars a week. Now, when you're home all day, you know, you can smoke maybe two cigars a day. You should say you, you're going to take that uh, opportunity and do it. And I think right. that's what we see now. But I think that, even, you know, uh, after everybody goes back to work, uh, I think you are still going to have a very healthy and very strong uh, industry. So, and then just, just to follow up to that, um, aside from the cigar industry, but it, it applies to it, every, every industry is essentially... Learn, there's learnings that have come out of the pandemic, right? You know, like a lot of companies were not big on uh, remote, people working remotely. Now they're seeing the benefits of that. They're shrinking their footprint with real estate. Um, are you seeing that in the cigar in, uh, cigar industry as well, where, you know, we learned a different way to work during the pandemic and we're, we're actually, some of those things were benefits that we're now going to apply moving forward. Oh, I think, I think, you know, for sure. I think that if you see, you know, that uh, I think there's a lot of things, even before the pandemic, you know, the, yeah. the social stuff, you know, the Amazons of the world, the, uh, you know, everything that's, <clears throat> I mean, technology, you know, uh, has grown in the past, you know, five years, like maybe never before. Um, the fact that, you know, people now, they want something, you know, you can. You don't have to go to a restaurant to eat, you can order it. Or you can order something from Amazon that perhaps, you know, you can't find in your local stores. So I think people are, are kind of, in a way, they're kind of used to, you know, having everything at their disposal as soon as they want it. You know, that easy gratification where they want everything now and yeah. they'll know that they'll be able to get it uh, by making a phone call. You know, it's food, where it's, you know, cigars or whatever. But I think also that people, you know, actually do enjoy going into cigar stores. You know, going to a cigar store, going to a lounge, um, especially if they're in their house all day. You know, at some point they want to go out and they want to say, you know what, I want to sit down, smoke a cigar, and see people. And yep. it's funny. So I was in a, uh, I was in a place uh, the other day in Arizona, and uh, this gentleman. He has this private club, and he had like you know four four uh, gentlemen there working, and uh, 
So we started talking a little bit, you know, one guy's a, a, a uh, equities guy, the other guy's, you know, into technology, whatever. He says, you know, I, I, I was working out of the house, but after a while that gets old. You know, I want to go out and cigar store, cigar lounge is perfect. And this place was really set up, you know, beautifully. So I see you're going to see a lot of that also, you know. So working from the house is fine, but after a while that thing gets old. You need to get out. Yeah. And... Uh, I think that we're going to see a lot more. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the cigar stores are doing as well as they're doing. Because, you know, people are actually going out and, uh, you know, smoking cigars with other people. Yeah, I, I mean, I've actually seen retailers open. All the time, you know, but it's also nice to once in a while have somebody to smoke with. Right, exactly. I, I think that's a great point. I mean, people smoke alone. I mean, I smoke alone. We all smoke alone, you know, from time to time. But... It's it's definitely more enjoyable, I would say, for me, um, you know, being with people, sharing a cigar with other people. It's the social aspect, which, you know, we say this all the time, you know, is really what makes the cigar industry so special. Uh, it doesn't matter, like, who you are or what you do, where you come from. If you're all together in a cigar lounge and having a cigar, you know, like, you know, it could be, you know, me or Nesto. It could be, you know... Three other people who are totally different kinds of people. We could all be sitting here having a cigar, and we could all have a conversation. And it's just, it's a very unique thing, and it's it, what makes cigars so special. And so, yeah, if people want to get out, they want to be in that circle, especially if you're a cigar smoker and, and you're regularly part of those circles. Exactly. Part of the experience, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, there's a gentleman, Bob Lutz. He used to be, uh, you know, one of the CEOs with, yeah, I think it was General Motor or one of those companies. And I remember reading his book, and, you know, one time I said to myself, you know, I'd really like to uh, be able to meet this gentleman someday. And was it two years ago, maybe? Um, I met the gentleman. He says, you know what, Ernesto, I enjoy, I love your cigars. This was uh, at the Churchill dinner. I love your cigars. He was smoking an Encore. And I said to myself, <laughs> you know, this is incredible. A guy that you look up to actually... And one way, maybe then the same way, looks up to you for, you know, for the cigar that you're making. So that that was, uh, you know, it just goes to show you, you know. Uh, I had another friend that was, you know, smoking a cigar. And somebody comes up to him and asks him, you know, that's, uh, you know, that cigar smells nice. What is that? And it was uh, Steve Harvey. Oh, nice. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the guy he said, wait a minute, this can't be happening, man. The, the guy he said the guy was as nice as could be. You know, we were talking cigars, we were smoking cigars. It was nothing about anything else that mattered. So, hey, man, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I don't want to say this because, you know, I want to sound arrogant or anything like that. <laughs> but I listen to this story because this is, this is nice. <clears throat> Years ago, before Cigar Aficionado, Arnold Schwarzenegger walked into my little store, A Street store. And, you know, he comes in. It was late. I don't think there were any cigar makers. He starts walking around. I call my... My wife, I called my kid, you know, my daughter was with her. I said, you know, come and meet on. <laughs> yeah, listen to this. So it happens that my kid had a, a shirt of Ronald Schwarzenberg, right? And the guy's walking around, not really being, you know, I got to say it, you know, uh, not being, uh, how do you say that, uh, friendly. Let's put it that way. He's, he's being kind of maybe quiet, a little closed off. Yeah. 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 And, you know, he came, he walked around, um, you know, he signed my son's shirt and that type of stuff. And then years later, 
we were at a uh, nice to remember, Cigar Fusiano, nice to remember. And who do you think walks up to me and says, Ernesto, I'm really enjoying your cigars? Arnold. So, you know, I mean, it's incredible. How cool is that? That's so cool, man. You know, I don't tell that story many times because that is so cool that, you, you know, you say, you say, man, you know, it's, it's funny without, you know, without really intentionally being trying to impress anybody, you're impressing somebody as big as this, you know, as this person, you know, with a personality as big as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Trust me. Well, so that, that's, uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say. Met, you know, or, you know, Robert De Niro, Bill Cosby, uh, Sharon Stone. They used to come in and buy cigars, and you know, you look at those people, and they're just like you and me. You know, there's nothing uh, different about them, and they're you know so down to earth, incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would say I I I know what you were, you were getting at with like you know maybe not wanting to sound a certain way or whatever, but I think there are people who want to sound that way. And then there's people who they tell the same story, but it, it's more of just a pride thing. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like you made something that was really good that everyone can appreciate from all different kinds of walks of life. Um, but right. also, yeah, but I mean, you're right. They're all people just like me and you. I mean, people like cigars. I mean, celebrities still smoke cigars. They like people like Arnold, Steve Harvey, even Sylvester Stallone, you know, big cigar oh, smokers. Cool. Big cigar smokers. I mean, they they love it just like we do. And yeah, I mean, they're they're international superstars, but you know, they they love it the same. You know, so it, and that's what that's what again that's what makes us so special. You know, I'm sure there's been other people who've get into that circle where they're they're smoking with someone like that, and it's like, oh my god, I'm with them, and it's like, what brought us together? We're all just having a cigar together. I mean, that's there's nothing else like it. They don't want to be seen. Uh, I literally want to be seen as, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, smokes a cigar just to show off or whatever. You know, they want to be seen as a human being that's enjoying a cigar like you are, you know, enjoying it with you. And, you know, when you look at, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, he's an avid cigar smoker. Yeah, when you were in, in with him, not that I've been with him that many times or whatever, but, you know, he's just a normal person. You know, there's no thing about basketball or money is about cigars, you know, what, you know, let's talk about cigars. Let's talk about, you know, what, you know, um, you know, what cigars out there that you like or whatever. Um, and this is what's so great about this, you know? So in, in this case, you know, whether you're smoking a, 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 you know, $2 cigar or you're smoking a hundred dollars cigars, you know, that's, it's no difference. It's, you know, it's all the same, and that under those circumstances. Yeah, so Ernesto, I, I did the same thing. I, I texted my son when I found out I was going to be on the show with you, so I'll be sending you his shirt for you to sign. Yeah, I mean that's 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 you know it's an interesting you know you run into a celebrity, someone like that who you know is a cigar smoker, and it and it kind of what. It is something that just, just kind of came to me. You know, a lot of people might just get all excited and want to be the fan or whatever. But it's like, you know, if if you want to uh, not be like a typical fan or just be like, oh, my God, hey, I want to meet you. It's like if you're a cigar smoker and you run into someone who smokes cigars, that advantage of an icebreaker that you have, instead of just being all like real fangirl, you could be like, 
Oh, I know you're a big cigar smoker, by the way. What do you like to smoke? You can get you start the cigar conversation, and and I've been in this situation before myself. And you'll notice that like the the tune changes because it's not like the hi, yes, it's nice to meet you. It's oh, cigars, and then the whole thing changes. Like oh yeah. You know, it's fine. Oh, I smoke this, and I smoke this, and oh yeah, and I really love these from this guy. Oh, those are great. And all of a sudden, you're having this conversation with someone who you never thought you'd ever talk to, and you're not just doing the exactly. hi, how are you? You're actually getting into a pretty in-depth conversation that they also want to be in, um, you know, in this in over cigars, and it's 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 so fun when it happens. You. Do you find Matt, and, and I'm wondering when Ernesto goes to a lounge if the same thing happens, which is, you know, I agree with you that the cigar always becomes a conversation starter, right? I, my wife always says I never met a stranger. Every time I go somewhere, I just meet people. But it's very true in a shop like, like Matt was saying. But then it just segues into normal conversation. You hear about their families. You hear about their jobs. And it's it just that cigar is what links us together and starts the conversation. I, I just I've always thought that was super cool. It is, it is incredible, and it is super cool because that you know at that point you know every we're all uh, you know at one point or another we're all brothers, and you know that's something that in cigar shops also you know you go to cigar shops and you meet people, and after a while you know that conversation gets into like what you're saying you know family and you know cars and drinks yeah. and whatever else you know it's not the cigar is just an opener for all these. Other things, uh, beautiful things that uh, you know that that uh, you know all the humans can relate to. Yeah, I I think that uh, it's definitely an advantage that the cigars have over almost any other industry, especially like alcohol. I mean, it's like when you think about it, it's like. <sighs> That's have, a just, great analogy. Just, just, just like have it like I'm trying to put it into like a certain context here, but it's like imagine like just running into like a celebrity and talking about like having a drink, right? And it's like yeah, okay, whatever. But it's like you you bring up cigars and it's all of a sudden it's almost like you're part of the secret club with them, and it's like oh you too, oh my god, and it and it and it's it's a different kind of social engagement you know versus like sitting down and having a drink with someone is kind of like cool but it's like eh. but you sit down and you have a cigar with someone it's a it's a much different experience it's a very different experience it's not you know we're just sitting here drinking and like it means nothing it's you know cigars are a lot about tradition too is, is what i like to say it's all it's tradition so you meet someone who's, a, who's an avid cigar smoker and it's almost like regardless of you know who someone is or whatever it's your continuing more open to uh, you know share that cigar with you. Right, right, and I yeah. think that and that's that's what's most important about it. Yeah, I uh, see. I I like your analogy because you know like what I was just saying. Your you're, Matt just hit it on the head, right? When you go in a bar, you're you're in the same similar situation, right? You're doing the same thing. You're among strangers, but it's not the same, right? You you just no. don't end up in that same conversation with a stranger. In fact, people are almost more standoffish in a bar, but yet. Everything is open arms in a cigar lounge. Yeah. I mean, exactly how it is. I I remember the first time, uh, like I've met so many people in the industry. You know, there there was, you know, I was at IPCPR two years ago in in the bar, and I'd bump into people and I'd say hello, whatever, and they'd be like, hi, yeah, okay, whatever, and then like, you know, not really, not that they weren't friendly, you know, they weren't really chatty, you know, they didn't want to stop and talk, but it's like then I run into them at a cigar lounge. And they'd sit down. They would talk to me for two hours. 
over a cigar. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing how all of a sudden it changes. Right. Um, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe cigars could help solve some of the world's problems that way. <laughs> At least I like to hope so. Um, but, you know, Ernesto, I, uh, you know, we, we've covered a lot of ground here uh, tonight on the show. And I want to thank you, for, you know, for being on the show with us tonight. But before, I guess before we go, the one more thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up is um, earlier this year, I know you guys, ta- you guys had announced that you're doing the, um, you're bringing back the, uh, the, re- the retro short run production that you that you guys yeah. have done uh tell me a little bit more about that is it something you've done before and you're in your bringing back well we we started that in 2010 and uh you know one of the reasons we we did that was <clears throat> because you know when we came out in 2019 we came out with the inaugural um which was a cigar that you know i i i, I want to say people were expecting something else from me as far as the type of cigars that I came out with. Um, but in all honesty, you know, I didn't want to, you know, do what I was doing before. You know, otherwise I would have stayed, you know, with uh, with uh, General Cigar. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do something. And it was, you know, um, I want to set a new, uh, you know, vision pace for the, uh, for the company. <clears throat> but then in 2000, you know, in 2010, the idea of the short run came up as a, because uh, we introduced our first core line, I think it was in April or May of 2010. But needless to say, we had to do something. I didn't have that many cigar makers. I think I had like eight cigar makers. So I said, why don't we do this, you know, get like a, a, a pre-introduction to what's going to be coming. And that was a cigar that was, you know, more in line, you know, maybe a little bit fuller body. Uh, you know, had more of the spice, the peppery that, you know, people were uh, uh, looking for. And that was a huge success, the 2010 uh, short run. So we did that for about, to about what, 2016 was the last one. And what we do is we make a short run based on the lines that we have. For instance, the first one was going to be based on the core. And then the second one was going to be based on the, uh, I don't remember what it was now, maybe the Cardinal or something like that. So we did all those, and after five years, we came up with a final one on 2016, and we said, you know what, let's let's put this to the side now, and give it some time. So then in 2001, uh, my son came to me, in 2021, I'm sorry, and he says, Dad, you know, I want to do the, the short run again. And the idea was to do, you know, well, we had done the same packaging, which it is, but then, uh, you know, the uh, my, my daughter, and the, the marketing uh, people we have there, they came up with the idea of coming out with the same concept, same packaging, but with different, uh, you know, based on, on uh, long plays, middle plays, and, and short plays, something like that. Something to do with the record industry since I was a drummer. Uh, right. I was into music. And that's when the, uh, you know, the play comes into, uh, into being. So it was a, uh, it, it was really, because it really did, it's really doing tremendously. As a matter of fact, you know, we went through uh, 40,000 and, uh, you know, we're looking to maybe doing a, a second, uh, you know, second round of these. Yeah, I remember uh, I remember reading about that and, and knowing about your musical background and being like, that's nice. And I like when, when people do, uh, and a lot of manufacturers do it. Not everyone, I would say, but lot, I mean, most people do. When they come out with certain things and they put these little touches from their personal life into stuff, whether it's the name or the band style or whatever, I think it's cool. It, it there's like a a, a, a 
like another piece of them in that, and, and I thought that was really cool. And uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love that concept too, and I wanted to ask you about it. Um, but yeah, so we are we are getting towards the end of our show here. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you again for coming on with us. I really appreciate you, you sitting down and talking with us and and just talking cigars. And uh, Nelson, thank you for her being here tonight. Uh, hell of a job on your first. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, this was a treat. I, I, I mean, I, Ernesto, I didn't even know you were going to be on, so this was really great for me. I'm, I this was a, a big win. This is like this is like meeting Schwarzenegger for me. Yeah. Well, it's very, very much. You know, it's easy to do a show like this, and you know, when you're enjoying it, when time goes by fast, and uh, you know, you say, "Where did the time go?" Uh, you guys made this, you know, easy for me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, we you try. Know, it was really. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, I'm not because there's some, there's some. I'm not gonna say shows, but instances where you're dealing with people, they're doing an interview, and it's kind of, you know, okay, where's the next question? Where, you know, I don't know what it is, but with you guys, it was very easy. So I appreciate that. It's like being in a lounge. That's yeah, yeah that's, that's right. it. So it's just like being in a lounge. That's all it is. That's all you know. That's uh, that's kind of the 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 method to the madness here at the Smoke and Tobacco Show. Um, but yeah, I wanted to thank you again for coming on. And uh, if there's any anything you want to say or anything you want to announce, any statements you want to make on the show, uh, I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'll let you have the floor first. Well, you know, we we are you know definitely you know working. We have the uh, the opportunity that came out the parientes, the show run. We are working on, you know, new stuff uh, for, uh, you know, next year. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm just having the, the time of my life with the industry the way it is now. We do ask, you know, a lot of our fans, all of our fans out there, you know, to be patient. Believe me, you know, we want to put the cigar that got the number one rating. And if it takes, you know, we sell more or less, it's not really important. What's important is that whatever you smoke, is what got those ratings and what you'll be smoking not only today, but hopefully 10, 15 years from now. So, and I want to thank, you know, all our fans because they've been real patient, you know I mean? And uh, it's been great. And uh, I want to thank, you know, people like yourself that, um, you know, do these shows. You know, this is, this is very important. You know, a lot of people out there, you know, they don't realize that there's a lot of information there's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, people, cells, like, you know, that are trying to do, keep this industry interesting and alive. And, uh, you know, I'm in forever indebted, guys, because I know it's a lot of work. I know there's nothing in it for you, you know, except just the fact that you love doing this and you, you love cigars. So thank you. Oh, well, thank, thank you for the, for the kind words, too. Yeah, I mean, we, we do it because we love it. And uh, like you're right, we're trying to keep the industry alive and, and get, you know, that information out to people who, you know, might, you know, want to learn that or hear it or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, and that's that's the drive here is just to, to continue to fuel the industry, so to speak. So so thank you again, uh, Nelson. You. Uh, it's your uh, it's it's your it's your turn, buddy. Anything you want to say on the Smoking Tobacco Show? It's your first shot. There'll be more times to come. So, I mean, don't let it all at once. Shameless plug section. Yeah. This is the shameless plug se section. There you go. I'm throwing you a bone here. I mean, come on. No, no listen, I, I, Matt, I sincerely wanted to thank you. And, you know, again, uh, it's, it's awesome joining uh, the Smoke and Tobacco team. I'm psyched about the future. Uh, Ernesto, sincerely great. 
I, I don't even call this an interview. I sincerely mean it. It's just a conversation. That's why I, I, I don't mind doing this with Matt. I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't like question. I just want to talk. Let's just talk. Half stories. Love that shit. Um, hey, follow me on Instagram, cigar underscore squad, cigar squad. So it's cigar underscore squad. Check out uh, my new podcast, the Smoke Show podcast. You can find it on YouTube and on your favorite podcast provider. Matt, over to you. Yeah, don't forget to check out Nelson. Like I said, he will be a, a new permanent member of the Smoking Tobacco team. Uh, he'll be on the show from time to time, but you can also read a lot of his stuff that will be on SmokingTobacco.com. Um, you know, on a very frequent basis. So keep an eye out for that. As always, you know, like, follow, subscribe on all of our platforms, especially wherever podcasts can be found for those listening at home out on the podcast channels. Um, find us, download, subscribe, whatever it is that you do. Uh, check us out on YouTube as well as on social media. Next week, we will be here, same time, same place, and we'll be sitting down with my good friend, Mr. Bear Duplissy of El Oso Fumar Takes. So a little bit of another uh, media, media mashup. Uh, next week as we uh, we dive in and we get into the uh, the bear cage and uh, we let the bear loose. So, guys, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for everyone to watching, everyone listening at home. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Thank you, guys.